Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Hello and welcome to another episode of Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to the show. If you're a new listener or you haven't subscribed to this show yet, remember to click that subscribe button. I know there are a lot of people around the world, particularly in the United States, that listen to this show and actually on a regular basis, on and off, but they don't actually subscribe. They just catch it when they catch it. It would just be great if you subscribed and listened to it on your Android or your iPhone or iHeartRadio or wherever it is that you listen. That way you just never miss an episode and it's always there and it tells you when the new episode has been uploaded. Anyway, one quick announcement before we get to today's topic, which is all about how to prioritize the calculations on a pro forma, on a property pro forma. And it's not just to prioritize them, but what does it mean and what do I look at? What order do I look at them in? What's important to me? I'm going to share that with you today. But before I do that, just a quick announcement. This is more of a heads up, not an actual it's ready to go. But we are on the cusp of releasing Norada Real Estate Funding. It, it will be a funding arm of our business, a separate company under the same brand that will allow you to essentially get an unlimited number of mortgage loans. So if you are hitting that 10 mortgage cap, that cap that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have in place that don't allow you to have more than 10 conventional loans with them, then you are going to need an alternative source of mortgage financing. Well, what if I could provide a 30-year fixed rate mortgage at a very competitive rate, very close to and similar to the conventional loans that you can get through Fannie and Freddie? Well, that is available here now and today. It's just not announced. It's not on our website. We're still putting the pieces of the process in place here in the back office, but it will be coming out very, very soon, probably by the end of the month if all things go well, knock on wood. All right, with that, let's talk about property pro formas and how to prioritize what's being calculated on there when you're doing your due diligence and analyzing a property, whether it be in your backyard or across the country. Now, this is an important thing, and it's really a topic I never went too deep into in a previous episode, but I think it's about time that I made it one of our main episodes here. And this really all came from an email that I got from Corbin, who was asking me a question, essentially an Ask Marco question. And I thought, well, you know what, this is actually a good topic. So I'll read you the question here, and then I will dive in. So Corbin writes in and says, When looking at a pro forma, there are so many important calculations to pay attention to and analyze. When looking at the debt service coverage ratio, cash break and even ratio, loan constant, cap rate, etc., which would you rate from most important to least? For instance, I am looking at a property where the loan constant is a tad bit higher than the cap rate. However, the cash break-even point is 85%. Cash on cash return is 5.17%. Debt to service is 125%. I'll explain these to you in a moment here, so just hang tight. Corbin goes on to say, even with all these pros, I am hesitant to move forward on my first potential deal because of the loan constant being higher than the cap rate because of the idea that you should have a higher cap rate than the loan constant. Corbin just concludes here by saying, how would you prioritize the different calculations you see on a pro forma? And that is really the core question that we are talking about here today. So let's unwrap this and peel back the layers of the onion 
first of all, let's understand what a pro forma is. So if you're looking at a property and you're looking at actual financials for this month or the previous year or year to date, those are real numbers. Those are tangible. They uh, can be verified and proven and you know exactly what that property is doing now or what it has done in months past. That's all well and fine. In fact, when you're looking at commercial property or even residential, you can look at the previous 12 months, what they call a T12, a trailing 12 months of income and expenses. Those are essentially what you see on your P&L, your profit and loss. With a pro forma, the word pro forma, I believe is Latin. I have to look this up, but it really means, and this is a loose definition, not the exact definition, but it essentially means what is to be. So a pro forma describes how a property could or should or actually would be performing based on assumptions and what-if scenarios that you are making. So you have to make some assumptions in order to project out what this property is going to do for you. So the flip side is the actual reports, the true financials, the P&Ls. Those are history. They're in the books or on the books. Whereas when you're looking forward, not in arrears or behind, when you're looking forward, you're looking at pro forma. So this is exactly what Corbett is doing in analyzing this potential deal. He is looking at the numbers and evaluating it and essentially underwriting this deal. Now, what I do and the order that I do it depends on what my strategy is, but the order of what I look at and not necessarily in this priority order are the following. The first thing I look at just to give it kind of a litmus test or the quick sniff test is I look at the rent to price ratio or RV ratio, rent to value ratio. I wanna just see what the ratio is of the monthly rent compared to the purchase price. Again, I like to use very simple numbers. Let's call it a $100,000 property. If it's a $100,000 property, I'd like to see the rent be somewhere around $1,000 a month. It doesn't have to be, and especially that if it's new construction because I know it won't be. But if it's $900 or even $800 a month on a $100,000 property, that ratio is okay with me. It, passes that sniff test and I can move on to doing a deeper analysis, a deeper due diligence on the property. From a price perspective, I'm okay to look at properties, especially if it's new construction on single family detached homes up to about 200,000 to 225. The numbers start to break down and the returns start to fade somewhat quickly when you get over 225 to 250,000. So up to 200,000, you're probably fine. And then you'll start to see things fade away and become less and less attractive as you get closer to about $250,000. Now keep in mind, this is very much market specific because different markets have different rates on their property taxes, which will affect your cash flows, as well as how strong the rental market is in a particular area. Some might be higher than others, some might be lower. So that plays in. That's why it's not an exact number, but I'm just saying you're typically doing well up to about $200,000. And then you have to start looking a little closer at the numbers, especially the pro forma numbers. So that's the first thing I look at. Now the RV ratio is not on a pro forma. That is just a litmus test. It's a quick way to analyze a property before you go any further. If you're going to go further, now you start looking at the pro forma. And what you typically see on a pro forma is essentially what you would see on a profit and loss statement. You have income at the top and then you have all your expenses underneath that. And that gives you your net operating income. So essentially it's your gross operating income minus your total operating expenses leaves you with NOI, net operating income. Now that's a key number and we're going to come back to that again here in a minute. But one of the reasons the NOI, 
that net operating income is so important is because it is one of the numbers that you use to calculate a critically important number that a lot of investors look at, but I don't necessarily put a lot of weight into, and that is your cap rate, your capitalization rate, which is essentially your net operating income divided into the value of the property. And if it's a new purchase, then you're dividing that into your total purchase price, and that will give you your cap rate. That could be a low 4%, it could be 5 could be 6 could be as high as 8% or maybe more. Again, that's going to be market specific and more importantly, it will be area and neighborhood specific because in the same market, that cap rate will differ and change dramatically from an A neighborhood to a B to a C and even a D neighborhood. You will see that cap rate go higher and higher as you go down into lower income and cheaper property areas. So keep that in mind. But your cap rate is really a valuation metric that allows you to compare one property to another without the influence of having financing. There's no leverage. It's essentially the rate of return on that property if you were to purchase it all cash, 100% cash. So the cap rate in that case would be the same thing as your cash on cash return. So that's the first thing I look at is the cap rate. It's not the most important metric to me, but it is something that a lot of investors do consider because it gives you a quick snapshot of what the property's performance is without any financing. Now, when you finance the property, of course, you're making some assumptions here on a pro forma as to what your interest rate's going to be and what your loan to value is. In other words, how much you're financing. It could be 75% of the purchase price. It could be 80% of the purchase price. But you obviously will do a mortgage calculation to find out what your principal and interest payment is for the month and the year. With that, once you deduct that mortgage expense, what you're left with is your cash flow. And your cash flow hopefully is positive. It could be negative, but I'm not saying it should be. I'm just saying, depending on what you're looking at, it could be negative. You want it to be positive. So your cash flow is what's left over after you deduct all expenses, including your vacancy allowance and your maintenance and repairs, you budget for those things to give you a true number. Then you get your net operating income. You then deduct your mortgage expense and you're left with cash flow. Now, when you take that cash flow and you divide that into whatever your down payment was, now you get a more tangible number, something that's a little bit more important. In fact, one of the most important numbers, if you really want to prioritize things, especially if you're a cash flow investor or you're looking for immediate rates of return or immediate yield. You want to know what that cash on cash return is. Now, that could be a percentage, which is what you use in the formula to calculate cash on cash return. You're going to spit out a percentage. But also people look at cash on cash from a cash flow perspective, meaning in dollar terms, what is my cash flow? And that gives you that number. So to put this all in another way, it's essentially this. How much am I making every month or every year from this property in dollar terms? You take those dollars, divide them into your down payment, and what you end up with is a percentage. That is your cash on cash return. That is the yield that you are going to make or expect to make on the pro forma. And that could be as low as six, seven, eight percent. It could be as high as 10 to 14 percent. Again, depends on the market, more importantly, the neighborhood, and also what your purchase price is and how much it rents for. All these things come into play. So this is more of a bottom line number when people say, well, what's the bottom line? What's my cash flow? How much am I making on this property each and every year in dollar terms? Not talking about equity, just in terms of real cash flows. That is your cash on cash return. That is an important metric. 
That is something you want to look at both in terms of percentages and dollars because that is what you are getting paid today and right away and this year and next year. The equity returns, those come in time, those build up year after year, month after month. So cash on cash return is important. That's one of the things I would look at carefully. I pay attention to that number. Now, the other number that's very important that you have some control over because you're going to shop it around is the interest rate on the mortgage. So if you're shopping for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, you want to get the best rate, you're going to shop around. Honestly, there's not going to be a lot of difference between one lender and another. You know, they can play with the numbers. You could buy down the rate. So you can adjust it a little bit up or down. But obviously, you just want to get the best rate available in today's market and environment to keep your monthly principal and interest payment as low as possible. So that is also a key metric. Now, that's not actually on the pro forma, but indirectly it is because that mortgage expense that you're deducting from your net operating income is affected directly from the interest rate. So obviously it makes financial sense to get the best and lowest rate. So we've talked about cap rate, we've talked about cash on cash return. Now, when you start running a little deep on a pro forma, by the way, that's pretty much what you're gonna find on a pro forma. On our website, attached to each and every property, at least for the properties that we post, because a lot of the properties, in fact, most of the properties that our clients are purchasing through our network are not actually posted on our website because they don't make it there. <laughs> But for the ones we are able to post on an ongoing basis, you will see that there is a financial calculator attached to every single one. And if you look on there, we take this a little deeper. We also do an equity analysis, not just an income analysis. And again, this is pro forma. We are making some assumptions. We are making the assumption that on average, over the long term, your appreciation will be X percent. I believe we use 4% as a global variable. And you can change this yourself and modify it to run your own scenarios. But if you run this on our calculator, and you can do this in a spreadsheet as well, but you're basically saying, okay, each and every year, on average, we're going to get 4% growth, price growth because of inflation, because of market demand, whatever price appreciation is being pushed onto that property to grow the value. So 4% is a fair number. But when you start to look at equity growth through the lens of appreciation and through the equity growth from amortizing the loan, meaning your tenant is paying off a little bit of that principal each and every month and each and every year as time goes on, that grows. By the way, this is a good time to really point out the episode I did about a month ago called the real rates of real estate returns. Take a look at that episode or listen to it because I really go into depth about the different ways you're actually making money in rental property. So it's the cash flows and you have a cash return. You have the amortization of the loan. So you have equity gain, which gives you an equity return. And then you have the market value, which grows in value through appreciation, which gives you a return on appreciation. And when you add up those three, what you find is your total return on investment, your total ROI from those three gains ends up being in the 20s and 30% range, if not more. So it's an amazing thing because your cash on cash return, which we talked about a few minutes ago, can be 8, 10, 12%. But when you start to look at the equity gain, even though it's not realized and in your pocket, it's there, it's equity growth, it adds to your balance sheet, therefore it adds to your net worth, that could be six, seven, eight percent or more. And it actually increases year after year after year. If you were just to run the numbers and pencil this out or do it in a spreadsheet, you'd see 
that it starts at 6% a year. It averages 13.3% over the life of a 30-year mortgage. So think about that. If you were to have a 13% rate of return on your equity each and every year over the course of those 30 years, again, this is an annual average over the course of 30 years. Then on top of that, you have the gain or the return on the appreciation on the price of that property. That's pretty powerful because when you add it up, again, you are a very healthy uh, double-digit total return on investment. So listen to that episode, The Real Returns of Real Estate Investing. Now, going back to the overarching question here, how do I prioritize the different calculations on the pro forma? I guess the last one, which could be the most important for some people, is that expected appreciation rate. And this is something that you can do your due diligence and research on or talk to one of my investment counselors about if you are looking at some of the markets that we are in. But at the end of the day, if you are investing mostly for growth, you are building your portfolio, you want to maximize your equity growth and appreciation, you're going to be looking at markets that have above average expected appreciation rates because you want to maximize that equity growth in your portfolio because you're going to tap into that equity down the road, be it three, four, five, six, seven years down the road, depending on how fast that equity grows, because then you can redeploy that equity into more property and grow your portfolio faster. So if I boil all this stuff down, when you look at a pro forma, you don't have a lot of stuff on there, but you have some important metrics. And for me, cash on cash return and the expected appreciation rate, which is really not directly on the pro forma. Again, it's your equity analysis, but those are the two things I look at. Cash on cash return, usually first, it's my highest priority item, and then the expected appreciation rate. That way I know I am making a smart investment because I'm gonna have a strong appreciating investment that provides me monthly and annual cash flows. And at the end of the day, if I'm focused on growth, and my cash flow nets out to zero at the end of the year because I've had unexpected maintenance and repairs, I'm okay with that because I can look back and I can say, all right, well, I know what my pro forma said. It was what was to be expected, but it didn't happen in this year. And my cash flows were zero or maybe a little bit negative. But I can look at the equity growth that happened through amortizing my loan. I've paid down principal and I've got that growth in equity. Plus, I've got whatever appreciation I was able to get over the previous 12 months, and that's also a return. And so if I can keep doing that year after year, where I have years of cash flow and years of maybe low to no cash flow, but I continually grow the equity in my property, that grows into a very large, stable, and equitable portfolio that I can use and tap into and convert down the road into a strategy of cash flows where now I shift from having all this equity into a portfolio of strongly cash flowing properties with higher cash on cash returns. So we're getting into the strategy weeds here, and I don't want to go too deep down that road on this episode. But Corbin, that's basically how I look at a pro forma. I don't overcomplicate it. I don't get into the break-even points, the debt-to-service ratio, because if you really have a cash flow positive property and you just follow you know, our methodology, your DSCR or debt service coverage ratio will always be worst case scenario, 110% or what they call 1.1. If you're at 1.2 or above, you're doing well from a debt service coverage ratio. Cash on cash, you know, you want as high as you can possibly get. 
And I don't look at break-even points. That doesn't even really matter to me because I am a buy-and-hold, long-term, prudent investor. I'm buying and holding valuable equity properties in good markets, in good locations that cash flow and I know will have strong price growth over the long term. That's how I invest. And I'm not concerned if the cap rate on the property is slightly above or slightly below the loan constant, that really doesn't matter to me because I know it will work out in the long term. And especially today, it's really not much of a concern because interest rates are so low. In fact, they're still at historic lows. This is cheap money, folks. Get as much of it as you can. I don't know when interest rates are gonna rise and I don't foresee them rising anytime in the near future but I can't speak for three years or five years down the road. So load up as much as you can, as fast as you can, so you can control a large portfolio of income producing real estate that will continue to build wealth for you and your family. And it will start to stack towards building a pile of cash flow in the years to come. Okay, thanks for the question, Corbin. And I appreciate everybody listening today. If you have any other questions about real estate investing, just go to PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com or click the Ask Marco button at the top or go to AskMarco.com. Help us share the show with like-minded people. Share this with your friends. And again, thanks for listening and I'll see you on the next episode. Are you looking for a roadmap to financial freedom? If so, we have a solution for you. Narada Real Estate is offering a limited number of free strategy sessions to help you get out of the rat race. Learn how you can create wealth and build monthly passive income. To set up a time with one of our knowledgeable investment counselors, simply go to naradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.